Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. We have so much coming up at Easter on Friday, Good Friday. We're going to have three presentations of the funeral which is a funeral for Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful presentation. It's as if Jesus died today, what would it be like? It's a beautiful depiction. On Saturday, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're calling it Easter Fest. We're going to have games and face painting and just a lot of fun on the campus. Kids are going to have a great big egg hunt that Saturday morning. And then Easter Sunday, make sure that you come to the house of the living God. Bring bring the people that you care about uh, don't be surprised if you don't have a chair, praise the Lord, because Easter's that day, you know. Matter of fact, I bumped into a young man the other day, and he said, uh, he goes, hey, you're that preacher. I said, you better believe it, praise the Lord. He said, "He said, I, I've been to your church. I said, you've been to my church? Have you been to our church? He said, yeah. He said, I said, I said, awesome. He goes, man, he said, we love your church. I said, I said, cool. I said, well, hey, Easter's coming up. We've got this great thing. We do this funeral. It kind of helps helps us get an understanding of the fact that Jesus actually did die because without Jesus' death, we don't have a payment for our sin. So it's important that we understand the purchase price that was paid. He goes, yeah, he said, matter of fact, that's the last time I was at your church. I said, praise the Lord. Well, your next son, your next time's coming up in two weeks. You can check in. Open your Bible to the book of Malachi chapter number three. Malachi chapter number three. In the body of Christ, there are four keys to living a life of unbroken faith. The first one is you have to have a purpose that exceeds your past. You have to understand that what God saved you for is greater than what God saved you from. Or you'll go back to it. You have a a purpose that is high in God. At this church, our purpose is simple. The Bible says that, that, that love casts out all fear. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And at this church, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. That's our purpose. That's what we're about. We're not backing off on that. Next, you're going to have to understand that in the body of Christ, there has to be a shift in your priorities when you become a Christian. What was important to you before you knew Jesus might not be as important to you as it once was. Some things are congruent, but everything is not. Some things are, are the same, but, but a lot are not. In other words, uh, your priorities have to shift. Now, all of a sudden, the things of God, the Word of God, the presence of God, the house of God, these things become a priority in your life. And you know something is a priority when it affects something else. In other words, you begin to prioritize the things of God over the things that used to be a priority in your life. Some great friends of ours uh, not long ago moved back to College Station from Austin, Texas, and I'll never forget the conversation we had. They said, well, we really want to be in College Station. We really want to go to New Heights Church. I said, well, praise the Lord, move. (laughs) And they they said, well, we don't know how we're going to make a living. I said, that's subordinate 
to you following after the things of God. If you believe that's what God has called you to do. In Crystal and, and, and my life, we got married. We've moved to uh, one, two, three different regions. And each time the decision was not made based off how we were going to make a living, the decision was made based off of where do we believe God has called us to be. So your priorities have to shift. And here's the thing, the world won't understand it. And that's okay. Look at your neighbor right in the face, just tell them, that's okay. It's okay that the world doesn't understand you. You are in the world, but you're not of the world. Somebody say, holy. Holy. You are a holy people. You are set apart by God, for God, and your priorities do not have to line up with everybody else's priorities. So your priorities begin to shift. Now, all of a sudden, your household is not just a place where you do laundry and eat dinner, but it's a place where your family comes together and gets built up spiritually where you begin to guard your words very carefully and you don't speak things out of haste and spite. You begin to speak only in faith because you understand the prioritization of your words can change your entire life. God created everything with a spoken word. Everything Jesus did, he would tell somebody to be healed. The power of your words, the, 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 the phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, has never, there's never been a more untrue statement ever said. People are living right now uh, uh, fighting uh, uh, depression and all kind of issues because their parents said things that were harmful to them. They were allowed to be around people that were angry and hostile and they spoke ill to them. I'll never forget one time I was, I was in the woods, uh, which is not uncommon for me, but we were in the woods and I was, I was probably 20, 21 years old and we were, I was duck hunting with some guys and this guy had this 12-year-old son that was with him and he just kept calling him all these filthy names. And I thought, what in the world is wrong with this guy who's calling his son who, I, my children, they don't even know these words at this point, uh, at this point in their life. Now, I was very young then, but they don't even know these words. He's calling them all these filthy names, and he has no concept of the power that's coming out of his mouth whenever he's using words. The Bible says life and death is in the power of your mouth. It's in the power of your tongue. He said, choose life. You've got to choose to speak life. You've got to choose to speak life when your kids aren't acting right. You've got to choose to speak life when you don't understand it. You got to choose to speak right when you got a symptom on your body. You got to choose to speak right when the boss says, I'm going to lay some people off. You got to choose to speak right when it's not making sense. You got to choose to speak right when the attorney said there's a problem. We're not going to be able to fix it. You got to choose to speak what God's word says. This all comes under the headings of priorities. Everything changes in your life when you begin to prioritize the things of God. The third key, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is the provision of heaven. Somebody say provision. Literally, what I'm talking about is resources, money, uh, funding, the way to get heaven's economy functioning in your economy. There are, some, there are some absolute attributes that we can apply to our life that will cause God's word to activate in the area of our money. But the first question that has to be answered, I think it's a very valid question, is does God even care about my money? Does, does God even care about finances? 
Well, well, first off, you got to think about it like this. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions. If you would, just help me by answering. Is God good? Yes, sir. Okay. So if God is good and he is our father, name, you can't think of one good parent that does not care about their offspring. See, we are called the children of God. We are not called the adults of God. That's because we have to keep the proper perspective of what the relationship is with our heavenly father. Because the Bible said Jesus one day was sitting there and, and the disciples, they were not just uh, uh, there to minister with him. They were also ushers and they were also uh, 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 crowd control and they were security and they handled logistics. And they, they, were, they, were, they were all the things that the body of Christ is today. It's broken up into different facets and we all do our own uh, side of it, our own role and it works together in a very uh, sanctimonious way or a very uh, symbiotic way. But one time there was a bunch of children and they were coming to Jesus and they were trying to get close to him. And the disciples were like, hey, you guys need to leave Jesus alone. And Jesus said, wait a minute. He said, you make sure that the kids have access to me. He said, because if anybody even comes to me, they have to come like this child comes to me. Now, what is, it, what, is, what is unique about a child? A child comes pre-programmed and pre-wired to have faith. You, it, when a child finds out the secret, well, and I'm going to be real cautious about what I say here, but when a child finds out some things about December 25th, praise the Lord, all of a the sudden they are shocked that what they believed is not as accurate as they thought it was. Because they are pre-programmed to believe. They are pre-programmed to have faith. So the same thing, when you speak to your children or your grandchildren, you say to them, you say, let's go get some ice cream. Daddy's going to buy you some ice cream. Mom and dad's going to buy you a toy. They do not pull out their calculator and start trying to figure out if we can afford the bluebell. Praise the Lord. That's because they are programmed to have faith in what their parents say. So when you and me come to the Lord, we have to recognize not only does he care about our finances, he very much cares about our finances. And the book of Psalms, uh, uh, chapter 35, verse 27 says this. He actually has pr- uh, pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Amen. Now understand, you can get in a ditch on any side of the road, okay? But God enjoys the prosperity of his children. The exact same way that whenever your children are grown and they start doing well and then you go and you're seeing your girlfriend or you're seeing one of your friends and, and your your son or your daughter gets a job paying $150,000 a year, you stick your chest out and you say, did you hear about my son? He actually got a job. He's making $150,000 a year and he's just doing That's because you have pleasure in the prosperity of your offspring. God is the same way except he's way better than you. 
Way better than you. He's way better than me. He's not carnal. He has no carnal streak in him. He is completely and totally good in every way. And he takes great pleasure in the prosperity of his children. John wrote uh, in 3 John verse 2. He said this. He said, uh, brethren, above all things, I wish or I pray that you would prosper and be in hell. Now, this is somebody that walked with Jesus. This is somebody that wrote part of our Bible. This is somebody who the Bible said that Jesus loved. So for you and for me, we would understand that his prayer, and certainly John's prayer was not a bad prayer, his prayer, his heart boasts, he said, above all else, more than anything else I can think of, I pray that you would prosper and that you would be in hell. God takes extreme pleasure in the prosperity of his children. He doesn't want you broke. He doesn't want you busted. He doesn't want you disgusted. He doesn't want you living in poverty because the moment that you live in poverty, all of a sudden you can't do anything for anybody else. The moment that poverty becomes who you are and poverty, listen to this, poverty is a state of mind more than it really is anything else. If, if you think that's what they have and that's what they can do and that's what everybody on the other side of the tracks has, you are boxing yourself in mentally into whatever your current condition is because the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But if you, if you ever now and then, if you go over to the car dealership and you decide to walk through there and you say, it may not be today, Lord God, but there is a day coming in my life I'll write a check for any or all of these vehicles. You say, now wait a minute. Why are you, why are you talking about it like that? Because God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Now, does that mean you, you need to go buy every car to lot? No, but if you can buy every car to lot, let me tell you what else you can do. You can fund an orphanage. Let me tell you what else you can do. You can put a missionary on a plane and send them overseas. Let me tell you what else you can do. You can take a month off of your profession and you can go overseas yourself and minister the gospel. You can set up an inheritance for your children and your children's children. All these things line up perfectly with the word of God, but the devil fights people so bad on their money. I was talking to a great friend of mine the other day and 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 how many of you here and just be honest you said man i have i have sensed the enemy of god fighting me in the area of my finances before you felt like 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 it seemed like he would just never let go of more of and i've said this a hundred times if if the devil thought money would make you stop serving God, he would be bringing dump trucks full of it and putting it in your front yard every day. But he knows you're here at 8.15 on a Sunday morning. Praise the name of the living God. You are serving the house of God. You are following the things of God. And the devil knows when he puts resources in your hands, he is effectively putting resources in the kingdom of God. And he wants nothing to do with you having more than enough. Because as soon as you have more than enough, now you are capable to be a bigger blessing to the things of God than you were previously. But I got this great friend of mine. And uh, not long ago, we were having a conversation because he's a part of a uh, of a business that does really well. And 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 the the there's a there's there's some people associated with the business that that have made some really terrible choices. But the people related to this business, and I, I got to be real discreet about it. But listen to this: there's one there's one individual. Listen, eighty thousand dollars a week. 
was stolen from this business. Indefinitely. Just going. I'm talking, listen to me. I'm talking bags of cash. And it's all gone. How many of you, if you had $80,000, and I don't want anybody to take a pay cut, so this is a pay cut for you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But $80,000 a week, you could find something positive to do with it for the kingdom. They, they, I said, I said, how in the world does somebody, listen, does somebody, you know, and this is not, this is not living in a New York penthouse. This is somebody, this is, you know, close enough for comfort that we could, we could understand their needs. How do you, how do you just blow and burn $80,000 a week? He said, well, so what they do is they'll just, they'll just start on a Friday and they'll just take all that cash and they'll, they'll, they'll go to the, to the, you know, basically a, a, a strip club or something like that and just blow all the money every week. I said, every week. He said, every week. I said, $80,000. He said, sometimes more. Now, listen, I, I'm not saying that because I care if they have $80,000 because them having money doesn't affect us having money. But what I am saying is this. The devil knows that if he puts $80,000 a week in their hand, they'll be so distracted by it, they'll be so built up on that that they may never turn to the things of God, but you take one Holy Spirit-filled saint, get them on their knees and stop praying, and and start praying, all of a sudden the devil's building a fence around your house trying to make it hard to even get your paycheck to you because he knows that whenever you prosper, the things of God prospers, so he's fighting it against you if money was evil if money was evil the devil would be dropping it off at your house every single day praise the Lord he takes pleasure God takes great pleasure in the prosperity of his people so the question is how do we access the kingdom uh, finances or get heaven's economy involved in our own that's a great question it all comes back to our first fruits somebody say first fruits We can see the first fruits all the way back in the book of Genesis when God said, you can look around and he says, everything that you see, you're welcome to have, Adam. You're welcome to eat, partake of everything. He said, but there is one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that tree, I want you to keep it separate. The word separate in the Bible oftentimes is translated the word holy. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus that the tithe is separate. The tithe is holy unto God. That means whenever you touch the tithe of God, you're taking something that he said is separate you're taking something that he said is holy and all the way back in the very beginning God said you can have everything you want he said but just leave this one tree alone just don't mess with what I've set apart and called separate he said and this is the test that makes you stay in the abundance that I have provided for you if you can stay away from what I have called holy away from what I've called separate you can eat of the fruit of everything else and how many of you know God is God He would be perfectly within his right to have said, you can only eat from one tree. But instead, he said, you can eat of all the trees except one. He could have said it the other way. And he would have been totally lawful because everything that is, was, or will be belongs to God anyway. So he could have established it however he wanted. But the law of first fruits, keeping something separate, Think about your husband and your wife, uh, a husband and a wife. My, my wife, Crystal, y'all know her. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. But let me tell you something, and I don't mean this to sound, you know, haughty or arrogant, but, but I'm not sharing her. 
She is separated for me. Now, do I love a lot of people? I love a lot of people, but I don't love a lot of people like I love my wife, praise the Lord. She is separate for me. That means if you want to stay in the blessing of Brian Hallam, praise the Lord, you better not be touching what is separated for me. Somebody say amen. Now, secondly, if you go and put your hands on what has been separated for me, not only are you out of the blessing, now you are under a curse. And I didn't put the curse on you, Jack. You put the curse on you when you touched what was separated for me. It's the law of first fruits. You begin to see, you say, you said there's all the fish in the sea, but this fish belongs to me, praise the Lord. It doesn't belong to me, but you understand what I'm saying? It's separate. God said the law of first fruits. He said all the trees in the garden, you can have everything you want. He said, but leave this one alone. And instantaneously, whenever they touched what they should not have touched, all of a sudden God didn't curse them. All of a sudden the curse came on them by their own actions. God is not in heaven cursing mankind, but God has established blessings and curses. And for you and me, we have the opportunity, we have the ability to choose one or the other. The first fruits uh, we see in, in, his, in their children too. And think about this. If, if, if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, and we're not mad at them for doing it, because if they hadn't sinned, you and me would have, praise the Lord. But when Cain and Abel, their children, when they got older, all of a sudden, uh, Cain and Abel both bring a sacrifice to God. And they offer it to God. And, and Cain brings some grain of the field. But the Bible says that Abel brings of the firstlings of his flock. The first fruits, the first uh, uh, lambs of the flock, and he offers it unto God. And the Bible says that God accepted that sacrifice. The Bible says that the first thing that Noah did whenever he got off the boat is he offered a sacrifice unto God. The Bible says the first thing Abram did when he got done rescuing his lot was he offered a sacrifice under Melchizedek. He tithed under Melchizedek. In Exodus chapter 13, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, the Bible says the first thing you need to do is you need to redeem every animal with the spotless blood of a lamb. When, when, when God says that the first thing is holy he means that it is holy the first thing belongs to God the first of your abundance the first of your increase this is God's and if you put your hands on it you are grabbing the curse yourself God is not cursing you you are grabbing the curse the Bible says in Matthew 23 23 when Jesus was asked about tithing he says absolutely you should tithe he said but don't think tithing is the only thing responsible of a Christian he said this you should do but then don't leave the other things undone you don't touch the things of God they belong to God we've lost the understanding of holiness and in losing the understanding of holiness we've lost the access to the sacred things that bring the blessing of the kingdom of God on families what God has established as separate and holy is God it belongs to him there is no argument there is no negotiation it is his and if you'll give it to him he will bless you like you've never experienced I've never met a tither in my life not one I've never met one tither that said I wish I hadn't done that Every person that I've ever met that is a significant, uh, a, a consistent tither has said the same thing. Pastor, things have been tight from time to time and things have been great from time to time, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen their seed beg bread. 
When you decide to honor God with the first fruits of your increase, God's economy gets right down in the middle of your economy. The Bible says that in this day and age, Hebrews chapter number seven, that men like me who will die, I will die at 120 years old. I will be healthy and in my right mind. But men like me receive tithes. But the Bible says when men like me and receive, like me receive tithes, when we receive tithes and offerings, this great church, the Bible says he who is witness that is not dead in heaven receives tithes at the same time. We are literally receiving on behalf of God the things that he has established established is separate and when you do this it literally sticks the key in the lock and unlocks the blessing and favor of God on your life there is nothing like tithing when it comes to the blessing hitting your house there's nothing you can do that can outrun the necessity of tithing that's why God didn't say everybody should pay a hundred dollars a month or a hundred dollars a week or a hundred dollars a minute because that wouldn't be fair for everybody across the board that's why he said 10 percent the first Tenth belongs to God. Ten in the Bible is always the number of testing. God said there'll be ten commandments that we need to live by. There were ten virgins who needed to keep their 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 their, their lamps filled with oil. The Bible says there was ten plagues that they were put on the Pharaoh before he finally let the people go. Ten is always a picture of a testing, and tithing is the last and only true heart test of a believer. Everything you do for God may cost you something, but tithing will cost you something. When you commit and say, I'm not just doing this on, on uh, uh, this week, but I'm doing this indefinitely, all of a sudden God goes, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to kick the windows of heaven open over that family and we're going to make sure that the hand of Almighty God is not restricted in their life. Number one, we have to understand that God enjoys our prosperity. How do we access it? We access the blessing and favor of God in our life in the area of our finances. The number one fundamental way to do it is to tithe. Malachi chapter number three, verse number six says, I am the Lord. I change not. Somebody say, thank God. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. You are not consumed because you didn't change you're not consumed because God didn't change the Bible says even from the days of your father you're gone away from my ordinances have not kept them then he says this return unto me and I will return unto you says the Lord of hosts but you said where should we return verse 8 will a man rob God this is God talking to the prophet Malachi yet you have robbed me could you imagine what he's thinking how could you rob heaven Wherein have we robbed you, he said. He said, in tithes and offerings. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse because you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. God is not saying, I am cursing you. He is defining the nation's current condition. If you have a cold and the doctor tells you you have a cold, the doctor didn't put the cold on you. The doctor identified your condition. God did not curse Malachi nor the people of God. He is identifying their condition because once the, addition, the, once the condition is identified, now all of a sudden you can come up with a solution. I went to engineering school and the first thing they teach you when it comes to solving a problem is you've got to find the problem. If you want a solution, the number one thing you need 
is to find what is the problem. Because if you've got a leaky pipe and all you're doing is catching the water in buckets, you're going to be catching the water in buckets forever. You've got to find the problem so you can find the solution. God says, he says, he says, you're, you got to understand, Malachi, you guys right now, I know you think it's hard. It's hard because you are under a curse because you have withheld the tithe. Then he said this, here's the solution. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And that word storehouse is a very interesting word. It literally translates the temple treasury or the temple warehouse. He said that there might be meat in my house or supply in my house. Then he says this, prove me now. Somebody say now. Now. Prove me now, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord. He says, you have to return to the things of God if you want the curse off of your life. God did not curse these people. God does not curse people today in this area. What happens is, by our action or inaction, we are either living under an open heaven or we are living under a closed heaven. He says, return unto me. He said, bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Well, that creates the next question. So number one, you got to understand God enjoys your prosperity. Number two, if you're going to access the things of God in the area of your finances, you have to, number two, believe the Bible. I had somebody tell me one time, they said, well, you know, I believe tithing is whatever you want it to be, so we do 2%. I said, well, praise the Lord, what else of the Bible do you want to rewrite? Because at the end of it all, you either believe the Bible or you do not. For me, in my house, we're going to serve God, but we don't pick and choose what part of the Bible is accurate or inaccurate. We take the whole thing. The Bible is not a, give me this part, don't like that part, give me this part, don't like that part. The Bible is an all in all. Somebody say amen. Amen. So literally, uh, uh, we access heaven's resources and remove the curse off of our life when we begin to tithe 10% of our increase, 10% of our of the increase in our homes. But the book of Malachi says it's not just single faceted. It's not like you, you, you take and you begin to sow 10%, which is uh, your tithe, that's the beginning. It's not even offering until you get past that because the Bible says 10% belongs to God. If you don't give it to God, you're stealing from God. So literally, uh, the offering is what takes place after that. So whenever you tithe, all of a sudden, you are opening the windows of heaven over your life, but it's not just returned in money. The Bible says that he'll open the windows of heaven. Well, what flows out of heaven? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor is there shadow of turning. So when the windows of heaven are open, it's not just finances that get on your life. Now the devourer gets rebuked. 
It's one thing to have a harvest. It's another thing to keep your harvest. I remember uh, Crystal and I had a peach tree uh, at one of the places we used to live. And the peach tree had all these beautiful peaches on it. And we were so excited one year because we were about to have all these peaches. And so many peaches, we were having to tie the limbs together to keep the limbs from breaking. They had so much fruit on them. And then all of a sudden, some kind of a worm or something got onto our peach tree. And we lost like six five-gallon buckets full of peaches. We had the harvest, but the devourer took the harvest. So it's not just, it's not just God, when you begin to tithe, God's going to take you from $100,000 a year to $300,000 a year. God's going to make sure that the bower doesn't eat all of your money in the process. He doesn't take all of your time. He will rebuke the devourer, the Bible says. That means he will tell the devourer how far he can go. The Bible says uh, not only is it, is it uh, does he rebuke the devourer. One of my favorite things, and, and you'll love this. He said, every nation will call you blessed. Yes, sir. Amen. Can I just say it like this? In the, in, in the world today, and i got to wrap this up pretty quick. But in the world today, there are nations that like us and don't like us. But they know America is blessed. How much more so in the kingdom of God should people recognize that we're blessed? Now, now what I mean by that is simple. They don't have to like you. Every nation doesn't like America. But every nation understands there is a blessing on America. They don't even have to like you to see the blessing of God on your life. Let me just say it a little bit different. I don't want you worrying with how much they like you. God's given you some pearls. And if you're constantly throwing those pearls in front of a bunch of pigs and all they're doing is stomping them in the mud, I'm not telling you don't throw your pearls. I'm saying quit throwing them at pigs. See, we think of a pearl different. The Bible says this, don't cast your pearls before swine. That's the King James Version. But a pearl nowadays, we think we go down to K Jewelers and we buy a handful of them. But a pearl in this day and age, somebody had to get out in the ocean, the Mediterranean Sea most likely. They had to stick some kind of a knife or blade in their teeth or tie it to their leg. They had to hold their breath. They didn't have uh, modern day goggles like we have now, which means they had to go down underwater. They had to hold their breath in shark infested water, open their eyes and have their eyes be flooded with salt. Go down to the depths where they can't breathe. Find an oyster. Pick that oyster up. Get to, get to a place where they put it on their boat. Then they got to pull that blade out, hoping that their leg's not getting bit by a shark on the way up. they got to open that thing up. And then when they find it, I don't know if you've ever seen a raw oyster. They don't look like they look on a necklace. Then it's got to be cleaned up and polished. In other words, that oyster, or excuse me, that pearl cost them something. So what he's saying is, quit taking the stuff that you have paid for with your, with your lifestyle, with your, con, con, with your consistency, consistency in the things of God, and quit throwing it in front of a bunch of pigs because a pig's just going to do what a pig does. A pig's going to take what's precious to you and stomp it in the mud. It's not like something we just went and bought. This is a picture of taking something precious. God said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. He said, and I'm going to make sure that every nation calls you blessed. Your friends and your family 
Your friends and your family, listen, they may be far from God, they may hate the things of God, but they won't be able to say the hand of God is not on them. They won't be able to look at you and say they are cursed. Listen, we're not concerned so much with what people think about us, we're concerned with what God thinks about us. He said, I'll make you, he said, I'll make it where all nations call you blessed. This is one of my favorite. He said, I'll make you a delightsome land. Everywhere you go, the blessing and favor of God will just break out in your life. Crystal and I were, were shopping yesterday. We walk in and, and we're about to buy some stuff, praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, oh, Pastor Brian, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Praise the Lord. Wonderful young lady. Say, I love the church. Well, we love the church too, praise God. Well, I just want you to know you came to the right place. It helps to know some people. Whatever you want, you just let me know, praise God. He'll make you just a delightsome land. You'll start, you'll start going through and, 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 and all of a sudden opportunity will start knocking on your door and you won't be banging on the door of opportunity all the time. You'll start trying to figure out what's the best deal I could do, not, oh God, give me something to do. Because you'll just be a delightsome land. Your children will begin to rise up and call you blessed. Let me just say this as a side thought, a side note. Make sure that money is a conversation you're having with your offspring or your grandkids. Make sure it's a, it's a conversation you're having. And make sure because the world and sometimes even in the church... People talk so angrily against money that if we don't teach them what the Word says, they won't have a foundation to dispute it with. I know a lot of times people, they they look at their background and they had, oh, I just had so many bad encounters in church and everything. My mom and dad took me to church when I was like, we were there early in the morning, we were there late at night, we were there Monday, Tuesday, we were there all the time. It was so miserable. But look where you are today. I'm not saying that everything that happened bad to you was a good thing, but what I am saying is if you go completely the other way and say, you know what, I'm just not going to worry about it because I had a bad experience, I'm not going to worry about it. Well, let me tell you something. They won't have the foundation, and when somebody comes telling them, hey, God doesn't care about your money, you don't need to worry about that, all they talk about is money, that's all it is. It's not all anybody talks about, but Jesus spoke about money almost as much as he talked about heaven and hell. The reason is, is because we all need some of it, praise the Lord. If we're going to send missionaries around the world, we need some of it. We're going to bring the great ministers in to, to minister and to teach us and to build us up. Listen, we, we fly, we don't, we don't just ask them to come in. We bring them in, praise God. This building right here barely holds us now, praise God. Three service on a Sunday morning. How many of you would like to have a building where we had like six, eight hundred seats? We could have one or two service on a Sunday morning, acre upon acre. I'm talking beautiful. I'm talking about a structure where we're driving down, people are driving down the road and say, what is that beautiful building? By the time they get up and it says New Heights Church, a delightsome land, praise God. You begin driving, people, people begin driving. What is that? What's going on here? Well, that's the hand of Almighty God. Well, how do you get the hand of God on your life? It starts when you become a tither. It's the foundation of the finances of the kingdom of God. Not only does it work for your family, it's how the house of God, the kingdom of God was designed to function in the New Testament. When we tithe, we become 
focused. When we tithe, we become focused. And focus produces exponential results. Each one of us can go and do a good thing. And, and he said, man, well, look, I, I, when people knock on my window or stand at the intersection, I give them money, and I think that's a great thing. We, I, Crystal and I have done that our whole life. But, but the Bible doesn't say giving to uh, the poor is tithing. The Bible says tithing is bringing it to the house of God. So why is it so important? Because the Bible says so. And can I just say this as a caveat? I know I don't have to. Church has never been stronger than it is right now. Church is about to, you know, miss any kind of payment. On the contrary, stronger than it's ever been. God has blessed us coming in, blessed us going out. We're not going to take up another offering here in just a minute. This is literally how you get the kingdom of God inside of your finances as well. The Bible says that when we focus together, now we can do that much more. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter number 4 that they would. this is the very beginning of the New Testament church. Everybody brought all of their stuff and at that time the church was, was, was held in the loins or the hearts of the apostles and they came and they took all, the, all their offerings and laid at the apostles' feet because when they had that much focused energy together and those, those funds together, now all of a sudden they could do more in a breath than they could do if everybody was just running in different directions. The house of the living God, when we tithe, when we offer, becomes a place of strength and the community begins to go, what is going on here? Well, I'll tell you what's going on here. The hand of Almighty God has hit His people. Number three, focus produces exponential results. Number four, for the sake of time. The question is, how do I start? you ever gone to the store? We, we have kids, so this happens a lot. You go buy a gift or something, and you only to get to the register, and it says, you know, batteries not included. So you have everything. You just don't have what will make it work. When it comes to tithing, no matter if you make 10 cents a week or $10 million a minute, you already have what it takes to make it work. Excuse me. You already have everything you need. You just don't have what it takes to make it work. Because tithing requires faith. And faith requires action. So for us, for you and for me, the blood bought. The Bible says, for this is love. Not that. We loved God, but that He first loved us. In other words, God took a a step of faith and loved you first, hoping that you would love Him. When it comes to tithing, you you don't become a tither when you can afford it. You become a tither, and God opens the windows of heaven over your life. But just like the batteries, you've got to put in your part. You've got to apply the faith. In Exodus 13, which I think is the most beautiful depiction of tithing in our Bible. It says, the first lamb born to a sheep is to be brought to the house of God. The firstling, the Bible says. The reason it says that is because the first one 
is the only one that requires faith. Because you could give that first lamb and then the devourer, a wolf, could come and kill the mama sheep tomorrow. You don't have any, you don't have any proof that a bear is not going to come out of the woods and kill a sheep. So when you give the firstling, you're not promised another one in the natural. But when you give the first 10%, not the last 10%, now all of a sudden faith is involved because in order for the rest of it to work, in order for the sheep to continue to produce, you have to have the devourer rebuked. You've got to have God stop the wolf from chomping on the sheep. You've you've got to be able to trust God with your money as much as you trust God with your soul. Some people trust God with eternity but will never trust Him with $10. I have found God to be exceptionally faithful. But the key to him getting in your finances is doing what he said. Before the law was written, we see the tithe. After Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead, we see the tithe. This is the 815 crowd. I say this this morning as an encouragement. Just like Galatians says, we're not going to grow weary because we know in due season we're going to reap. But the way to get the curse off of your family is to tithe. The way to get the windows of heaven open over your family is to tithe. The way to see the hand of God move, maybe it shouldn't motivate me, but it does when my haters see me blessed I've got a few God will bring things to you God will bring things to you the only key that will unlock is obedience heard this said, you know, when I can afford it, I'm going to give way more than I could right now. The Bible says that obedience is far better than sacrifice. God is not interested in the dollar amount. He's interested in the faith required to do it. Because when you begin to tithe by faith, now the things of heaven get involved with what you're involved in. Stand to your feet, please. I'm about to wrap up. Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says, Money answers all things. If you want to know what you're passionate about, look at your checking account. If you want to know what you're passionate about, look at your finances. Because money answers everything. You go to the car dealership to buy a car, the first thing they want to look at is how do you handle your money? 
we're going to run your credit. Because your money, how you handle it, it answers every question about you. Are you faithful? Are you not faithful? Maybe, maybe you'd say this. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I, I've never heard it taught this strong. Well, let me apologize on behalf of the body of Christ for not teaching you clearly what the Bible says. We try to teach it here very consistently. But if you've spent your life living for God and nobody's ever itemized this, you could have been living under a curse and never known it. God's not cursing you. But our action or inaction can cause the curse to stay on our family in the area of our finance. You say, what does that mean about heaven or hell? This is not a heaven or hell discussion. There's one way to get to heaven. That's through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. Nobody can buy their way into heaven. It's not happening. Jesus paid the price for us to access eternity in heaven. But when it comes to God's resources in this realm, I don't know why he tied the windows of heaven to our wallet, but he did. And I have found him to be faithful. I've only been a pastor five short years, but I've been a tither for 24 years. I've never, ever seen my family forsaken. Not above me, not beneath me and I am seeing and wherever you are in this you start there but I'm seeing the compounded blessing on my children now and I know it's because of the faithfulness of my grandparents of their grandparents and of Crystal and me and now their own obedience when the hand of God is fully accessing your life everything begins to shift those that are against you can't stop it those that are for you will celebrate it but you'll never be the same give God a big hand this morning bow your head and close your eyes please if you're here you're not right with God. You're not living right. You're not doing right. Jesus is not Lord of your life. When I count to three, lift your hand with an uplifted hand. You're simply saying, oh God, that's me and I want to go to heaven. I'm not sure where I stand with God. If that's you, when I count to three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand. I don't see any hands. Let's pray. Father. This topic on money and the kingdom of God. There's so much out there that twists and distorts your word. We just seek clarity in what your Bible says. Today, Lord, I'm asking you for a renewed faith. For those that are tithers, Father, I'm asking you to do exactly what you said your Bible said in your Bible that you will do. Let the devourer be rebuked off of our families. Let the things of God be the standard in our family. Let every nation call us blessed.
Let our homes, let our families be a delightsome land. Bless our businesses and our jobs. Significant promotions, raises, increases, accounts receivables coming in on time. Stay the hand of the devil off of our money. Now I'm asking you for a a new wave of prosperity for the people of New Heights Church. We've just seen the tip of what you're going to do. I'm asking you for a new wave. Let the faithful flourish. Let the faithful flourish at a level that cannot be denied. We do not put our trust in mammon or money. We put our trust in you. Let those believing you for a house or a home, let them have exceptional favor in the process. Those that are believing you to have debts paid off, to pay off cars and credit cards. Father, give us the ability to do it. Rebuke the devourer off of our lives. We call it done in the name of Jesus Christ. We say every promise in your Bible is true and we will not back off of them. We say that you cannot fail and you will not be mocked. And we will see the hand of God in our finances. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Don't forget tonight is youth at 5 o'clock. It's going to be a great time. Let me pray a quick blessing on you. We'll dismiss. Father, in Jesus' name, bless your people coming in. Bless them going out. Bless them in the city and the field. This day and every day, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info. And be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.